Hello, Jazza here. Just a quick heads up, in this episode of the Queer Movie Podcast, we talk about and address sexual assault. If that is something that you would rather avoid, then feel free to skip this episode. We'll have another mini episode coming out in the next couple of weeks, so look out for that. Or you can go listen to one of our previous ones, which are very good. Anyway, with the show. Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best in LGBTQ plus cinema, one genre at a time. I'm Jazza John. And I'm Rowan Ellis. Each month we meet to discuss a queer movie from a different genre of cinema. This month's genre is... Queer, queer Horror! Oh, we went somewhere different with that. We, we did, we tried. Uh, but before we reveal this month's movie, as always I've got to ask Rowan, um, what is the gayest thing that happened to you this month? It sounds like this is going to be just a repeat of a previous what's the gayest thing you did. But Yeah, and the really bad thing is, although we did record it a year ago, it's going to make it sound, because we only released them quite recently, like we've done this within the <laughs> space of one month. We've done yeah, it twice. Yeah. I went to Disney again. With, and I did with, drag. A, with like 12 gay people. So, <laughs> yeah. But I did also... Also go to BFI's Flare Festival, which is their LGBT film oh, festival. Oh, that is very cool. Uh, and I've seen two different short programs so far, and I'm going for another film this week. And the shorts were brilliant. Um, oh. Some of them very sad, obviously. It's uh, clearly, yeah, G- gay sad, sad movies. They go um, hand in hand. But no, some really, really brilliant ones. Um, so I'm hoping that they'll be available online that I can kind of share them everywhere. Because that's mm. always the danger with shorts. They sort of get left yeah, on the get, um, festival floor. Um, yeah, for me, I, I also did drag. <laughs> um, but this time, Again. not for the first time. This is the third time I've done drag, and we did a roast. Um, oh. uh, uh, me so, and so Polly Tickle. Yeah. Polly Tickle came yeah. out again. Um, this time she was wearing a uh, kind of like floral velvet number. Oh, hello. Oh, it was beautiful. My and my figure was snatched. Uh, I wore red, kind of like uh, like teased hair, and mm. wore it in ponytails. Oh. Well, no pigtails on the side of yeah. my head, and it kind of made me look like a Ukrainian, like uh, like spy. Not where I thought you... No, n- I'm not going to lie. No words out of your mouth for the last 30 seconds have been anything I thought you were going with this sentence. <laughs> this is really funny yeah, for a loop. Everybody knows that the Ukrainian spies wear pigtails. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very fun and I had a lovely time. You'll be able to watch that video on Novimpia's channel. Um, I don't think I'm going to come across as funny as I thought I was. But what is important oh, is that I'm I thought I was funny. excited to watch your humiliation. Yeah, yeah exactly. My terrible, terrible delivery. As we do every month, we gave you options on Twitter for films under the genre we're doing. This month, queer horror films. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Queer Movie Pod, to help us decide the next film. And if you want to support the podcast even more, and help us pick a genre for one of the episodes, make sure to check us out on Patreon. Please, please love us, it's important. <laughs> um, so the poll results this month were... Uh, dead Boys with a Z Don't Scream. Only got 4%, very sad. Uh, the Gay B&B of Terror... Just 12% of the vote. Vampire Lovers also only got 12%. And the winner, once again, with a massive landslide. We tend to do these in these You guys just really, really know what you want. It's just ridiculously popular. Jennifer's Body on 72%. Jessa, how do you feel about this? Well, so you... I'd actually never seen any of these movies. Mm -hmm. um, And you showed me some of the trailers uh, for the early ones. So Dead Boys Don't Scream is one that I remember. And uh, The Gay B&B of Terror were just 
absolutely horrific, like Sharknado level, terrible, um, uh, appalling mm-hmm. movies. Um, I believe Dead Boys Don't Scream was basically softcore porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and very, very annoyed that I didn't get to watch that. I'll yeah, be honest. same. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, however much I do love Jennifer's Body, and I'm really interested in it, and especially like the history of the film and where it is now in like the horror canon. I, I was really looking forward to doing a trash film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real trashy film. Um, um, uh, please, please, listener, take note and perhaps <laughs> give us a trashy one. At, at the end of the podcast, you may have the opportunity because the <laughs> next month's genre has some really bad films some coming really up. We're very excited. Ones. Yeah. With each film, we like to give it an alternative, perhaps more accurate title. Uh, Rowan, what was your suggestion for Jennifer's Body? Mine needs a slight bit of context, but it is um, not Twilight for Boys. <laughs> I'm glad it's still funny without the context. Um, yeah, give it, so give us some context. So really then. notoriously, there was um, a critic who I completely forgot who it is now, but um, basically called it Twilight for Boys. And this was in one of the favourable reviews that happened at the time. Or re- a favourable uh, review? Not unfavourable reviews that happened right, at the time. Right, okay. Um, and yeah, it was referred to as Twilight for Boys. And that was kind of meant to be why it was good, was it was like this sexual fantasy right, okay. for, for boys. And and I am like... Because lesbians. It's not, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that's not, mine. What's yours? T- uh, mine is... <clears throat> is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it a teen angst film? No, it's Jennifer's body. And the film itself doesn't know what it is. Uh, and it's a hot mess. That's it's long. too long to be a title. It's long, <laughs> but maybe like several asterisks uh, in like the movie poster to kind of give it some more t- context, you know. Why not? Um, so as always with these films, what we do is essentially we go through some things like behind the scenes, the context. Um, we talk a little bit through the plot, splitting it into different acts, um, and then also give it our special ratings at the end. Yes, yeah, stay tuned for the ratings. They're my favourite bit. So for a little bit of behind the scenes, Rowan, you are our um, like queer pop culture goddess. I need you to explain this to me. So Jennifer's Body came out in 2009. It did. Um, and apparently has had a resurgence mm-hmm. since 2018. Oh, Rowan, please, please contextualise for me. So, tiny bit of context. This was written by Dablo Cody, who also wrote Juno, and also was a creative United States of Tara, which is an excellent TV show. Um, but for the purposes of this podcast, important to know that she wrote Juno. Mm-hmm. She, um, like, this is an Academy Award winning film. This is, like, Juno. Not Jennifer's Body. No, Juno. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> um, what basically catapulted her to the height of Sodom with her first movie. Mm-hmm. And so we were basically, and then she wrote Jennifer's Body and cast Megan Fox in it, um, who had just come off an extremely, and while the press for Jennifer's Jennifer's body was happening was having an extremely messy public kind of feud fight situation Falling with Michael with, Bay. Yeah, because from the she was movies. in the Transformers movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so basically, this movie was very much primed within the landscape of two thousand and nine, and the very male gazy boys club movie critics that existed at the time uh-huh. to be. Um, a movie that was reduced already, and it and you can see it in the marketing by even the team that was meant to be marketing the film, um, completely reduced to Megan Fox is in the film, therefore it's vapid and sexy, and that's how we're going to sell it. Mm-hmm. And also, Diablo Cody is um, never going to be able to live up to Juno, and why is she trying? And she's just some upstart young writer who had a one-hit wonder and will never do it again. Oh, that's um, so that was really the landscape <laughs> film wise that was like how how it was sort of priming these two women to completely 
felt and like willfully be interested in that mm-hmm. and and then also framed the movie as as we as i've mentioned um twilight for boys so basically we're priming it as the idea it was like a sexual fantasy film for for teenage mm-hmm. boys because girls kiss because girls kiss in it and because megan fox is in it maybe. right right, right uh, yeah, yeah. and so basically it set up the film up for a massive failure because it didn't know how it was going to market it didn't it didn't market it to what the film actually was mm. um it had a load of men reviewing it he didn't really understand it in the same way that if you if you look at on rotten tomatoes the scores for um just absolutely brilliant iconic films that are aimed at teenage girls like cinderella story for example yeah, she's yeah, the man yeah. they have such bad scores because they're being reviewed by middle-aged white men who, who this was who aren't the target audience for. yeah um and so yeah in 2009 that was what was going on and so it kind of just flew under the radar it didn't get good reviews everyone sort of forgot about it um and then in 2018 it had this massive resurgence around um halloween actually which makes sense um where there are a load of articles got written about it and it kind of snowballed and a load of people who i think had really enjoyed it but who had thought like do i have a bad opinion because i enjoyed this film Mm -hmm. suddenly were like actually if we look at this film under the lens of me too and the me too movement it becomes a film that if it had been made today would have been seriously of note and would have immediately gone into the horror canon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is that is essentially the lens of which I very very interestingly like viewed this film. Oh no, was I meant to like this film? You weren't necessarily meant to like it, but I think it's because you don't you know it's everything subjective. Everyone, yeah, we're allowed um, to have tastes. <laughs> but it was it basically just got absolutely kind of decimated when it got released mm-hmm. for not necessarily good reasons and there's yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes of it and also because there was a the desire to sense. like sabotage um megan fox and i remember mm-hmm. like oh, like i know we know now that there was an active kind of like campaign to ruin her career yeah. because of the michael bay stuff yeah i can't wait for you to uh tell me why i should like this movie <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so without further ado let's dive into the plot and uh and act one So we love to um, uh, give the acts of the films that we're reviewing perhaps puerile names. Uh, the first name of Act One, or the only name of Act One, is uh, In the Club. Yeah, because as it was explained, <laughs> um, definitely a club that they go to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shed. It's a shed. Um, so it's, we get <laughs> that's burnt down by the end of Act One. Spoiler <laughs> yeah. alert. Chip was right. Melody Lane is definitely not a club. Clubs are for attractive people in populous urban areas. Clubs have DJs and champagne. All we have is a jukebox and a sticker toilet. Everything is kind of like primed. We have Amanda Siegfried's character and... um, uh, Megan Fox's character? Thank you, Christ. And Megan Fox's character. um, Typical man (laughs) underappreciating Megan Fox. I know, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Who are... Uh, BFFs. It's hinted that Amanda Siegfried has a bit of a uh, crush on uh, uh, Megan Fox. Um, she's actually called by one of the secondary characters, "You're totally lesbian," um, which I think should be a T-shirt for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd buy it. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone but- wants uh, queer movie pod merch, it says "lesbian" on it. You know, I guess let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> we'll think about it. We're totally lesbian. What? She's my best friend. <laughs> Megan Fox's character ends up 
uh, enticing Amanda Seacreed to go and um, uh, see a band that uh, Megan's character really, really likes, that Jennifer really likes. Because um, the, the lead singer is Salty AF. Salty AF. Mm-hmm. So, can you um, remind me, was Salty ever a thing? I don't think it was, but this was also written by Deblo Cody, who wrote Juno, which is entirely made up slang. Excellent. So it wouldn't surprise me either way, to mm-hmm. be honest. Salty in this universe <laughs> means <laughs> means sexy, uh, just by the way, which I think I prefer to in the, the Jennifer's body reading. multiverse. <laughs> the Jennifer- it means good looking. <laughs> yeah. You and me are going out tonight. Uh, tonight, why? Because Low Shoulder are playing at Melody Lane. They're this indie rock band from the city. I saw their MySpace page, and the lead singer's extra salty. Plus, there'll be lots of other salty morsels there for you. We also get it set up with Amanda Siegfried's character, um, uh, like it's a, a flashback. We start with a flashback in her voiceover. Um, she's in a psych ward. Um, and we're trying to, and that's what we're teased with, and then we want to kind of figure out uh, why did she end up there uh, before we end up being introduced to her relationship with Jennifer. She also has a boyfriend who looks Chip. much, Chip, who mu- looks much younger than her. I know that they're probably both in like their late 20s, um, the actors, <laughs> but uh, the the guy who plays Chip is, um, I he, mean, he looks 13. He really reminded me of the main character from Sky High, and I and I kind of don't want to look him up in case he isn't. I just choose to believe he's the he's the main character from Sky High, which mm-hmm. gives me great <laughs> great amusement. Let's go to the club. Holiday Lane is not a club; it's a bar. In fact, it's not even a bar. It's like a bingo hall with taps. Be my ass, Chip. You're just jealous because you're not invited. I'm not jealous. That place is disgusting. Everyone in there has a mustache. They go, but there is a massive fire that breaks out and. Jennifer leaves with the band in their van. Yes. Um, so that's what happens in part one. So let's go through about like what we noticed, what we saw, quotes. There's going to be a lot of quotes. There's going to be so many quotes. This is the so... The script is very funny. It is brilliantly... Uh, but uh, I'll be honest, be. I never laughed out loud, really. I felt oh, like I there did. was... So I kept on, all the way through this film, I kept on kind of thinking about GBF, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was episode one. Mm-hmm. And... I remember that it re- that GBF really leaned into how ridiculous the script was. And I didn't feel like Jennifer's body really knew how ridiculous the scripts were. I felt like it was a, that all of the lines, despite the fact that they were fantastic, mm-hmm. objectively, I don't think they were delivered with like the intention of them being humorous. No, which I loved. But, I mean, no, <laughs> knowing, so knowing Diablo Cody and like having read a lot of interviews with her, she definitely knows how ridiculous the script, like everyone knew how yeah. ridiculous it was. But they were all delivered with such like, there are so many lines where the first time I watched it, I feel like I missed the lines. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until later where someone does a little aside and you're concentrating on something else in the scene and you're like, oh, that was hysterical. But yeah. you weren't hamming it up and making it like the classic GBF, like every line is like delivered with panache. <laughs> Um, even as it is still super campy and super yeah. hammy, yeah, which yeah, this yeah. film definitely was. Hey, it's Ahmed from India, that foreign exchange guy. I wonder if he's circumcised. I always want to try sea cucumber. <laughs> Ew. So we, we kind of get a sense of their relationship within this first act, which I think is going to be really interesting for later on when we get her possessed by a demon because she's not a good person to begin with. No. Jennifer is kind of the worst. Um, um, even to her friend. Yeah, her um, supposed friend. Mm-hmm. The, you, you get it in this play fight that they have where it's like, you're gross. No, you're gross. And Jennifer just pushes too hard yeah, 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 and puts yeah, yeah. her into the wall. And I think it's like when you, you see that with kids a lot where 
which is that classic thing that parents say of like, stop that, someone's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where but it's an start, establishment of like dominance. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, where, yeah, where kids start playing and then they kind of go slightly too far. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that, um, so w- w- there's a lot of kind of like, um, uh, I guess trigger warning, uh, rapiness in this, in this movie. Um, she... Uh, do you think that she kind of gets set up by the film to deserve it? Because that no, was something no, that kind of made is, me feel uncomfortable. No, no, not at all. And I think that this is a really interesting part of it, which is the idea... Because I think that the scene in which you see her explain what happened and you mm. go to the flashback and it is absolutely not shot or or scripted in a way to suggest that she deserves it mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me it this whole story becomes a really interesting exploration of there not being a perfect victim and it it subverts so many tropes of horror which are about purity and are about the sexual girls versus the virginal girls and all this stuff within the horror genre and it just comp- it muddies everything nothing mm-hmm. is clear in this movie there's not a clear line of you know oh yes Amanda Seyfried's character is the nerdy virgin she's not she's had sex before that's mm-hmm. like been established mm-hmm. yeah um and I think that was what was like super interesting to me is that you have this character who isn't she's not either like the perfect vi- victim because absolutely like sexual assault is absolutely the sort of metaphor that's that runs mm-hmm, across the mm-hmm. whole thing she's not this perfect victim that you get to feel really sorry for or the the innocent who's possessed by a demon and you can see the difference between the two worlds it's like actually she's not necessarily a good person but that doesn't mean she deserved it mm-hmm. um I feel like there would be a different reading from uh the audience that was targeted with the Twilight for boys absolutely um, because she's set up to be kind of like the sexual um sexually promiscuous uh she says i'm not even a backdoor virgin which i think is a lovely way of, of, of putting it um but also she um drinks and like overtly flirts with the band member and then like goes into the van but then this was when i was kind of like this film is ridiculous this is a teen kind of like drama comedy whatever um and then uh Megan Fox's face when you see this door slide when she's like in there and you see like it shows that she's a really fucking good actress mm-hmm. there's like this innocence and terror of a girl scared and I was like oh fuck that got real mm-hmm. like it was but it was all of a sudden there's it, it, like the the club is on fire there's ridiculousness in the background people are running around on fire the whole thing has gone ablaze like much far quicker than like it actually would have um but then there's megan fox with like this this look of absolute fear in her eyes as the door closes and i was like oh i have no idea i have no idea what i'm meant to be feeling right now because i was cackling at all of the like people on fire a second ago but this is what i really like about it because i think it does set up all of the marketing set up to be this really sexy film Mm. but every single time you see her do something you're meant to find sexy i've written a lot of the notes about like what happens with that she does something that really isn't Mm -hmm. um because she'll like it will seem like she's doing something sexy and then she'll straight up murder a dude Mm -hmm. and not in a sexy classic vampire sexy way of I'm murdering you by biting you on the neck in a faux sexual way it's like mm. no, I'm going to literally break all your bones and like rip your insides out oh, yeah. <laughs> and so for me it's it's so many of like setting up these expectations and then subverting them to make you I, I don't think it was a scary film in terms of the horror elements it was there were lots of reviews that basically were like there were no scares in this and I'm like oh god this has all been reviewed by men because there is nothing more terrifying than watching your friend yeah. go towards a situation where yeah. you know that something awful is going to happen to them and you can't work out how to get them out of that situation mm-hmm. or nothing as unsettling as 
thinking you're having a really crazy night with a friend and then something horrendous happens. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think those are all actual real fears that a lot of women have, but in particular, which you get the sensation of them while watching that movie. Mm -hmm. Not because you think the succubus is scary, but because there are so many like real life horrors that play out through the movie. Mm -hmm. that makes it very different to traditional like slasher horror, which taps into something like very different that you're that 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 produces a kind of fear that's a very different kind of fear. But this was the thing that made it a weird watch for me because I didn't I never knew whether I was meant to be laughing or feeling abject horror. Like I uh, like I one hundred percent felt for those scenes where we see um. Uh, like innocence be absolutely kind of like destroyed um and especially like the later scenes when we find out what actually happens to jennifer when she gets taken in the van um like i it's that is was true terror i will say there's loads of jump scares but then i'm i'm a massive wuss (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah and i will scream at anything um but i the reason that i struggled with this movie was because it was so it was ha 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 ridiculous funny line um uh kind of like teens fucking around and then true abject horror the kind of stuff that we aren't used to seeing in kind of like mainstream cinema those guys are rank jen just forget about it you know what i think the lead singer wants me only because he thinks that you're a virgin i heard them talking what i'm not even a backdoor virgin anymore thanks to roman and by the way that hurts i couldn't even go to flags the next day i had to stay home and sit on a bag of frozen peas God. Um, Sidebar. Yeah. Chris Pratt's in this movie. Yeah, and Seth from the OC. Yeah. I've I've literally um, here's my note about that, all in capital letters. I forgot one of the Chris's was in this, <laughs> and Seth from the OC. This is so two thousands. It hurts. Yeah, very much so. And it's interesting. It's an interesting period in for Chris Pratt because it's um, before he got buff, but also before he got tubby yeah and i've never yeah before like the only chris that i've ever that i've ever noticed and it was nice seeing him for 30 seconds at the beginning of this movie just wild shout out to mr pratt what a cute boy hi hi uh (laughs) we um just wanted to meet you or something i'm jennifer check and this is my friend hi i'm nikolai this is uh this guy's my band Low shoulder. Yeah, we've heard. I've heard about you. You play your instruments really super good. Thank you. We are professionals. What I really found so interesting was trying to work out what of Jennifer was performance and what was real. Um, so when she's flirting with the band mm-hmm. and she's being, she can't do that right like she can't be sexy right Mm. and I was really it was really fascinating because I was kind of torn between the two readings of is is it that she's putting on this persona or is it literally that she is a teenage girl and so she's like talks a bit too fast while talking to this guy that she really kind of likes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she like does this weird like bouncy thing and she's not doing the like I'm super confident and campy and Mm -hmm. like um, and like vampy and all that stuff because if she was trying to be seductive she would do the persona she has around all of like the people that she feels she has power over yeah but she doesn't so she just turns into this teenage girl she doesn't feel like she has any of that power exactly and and you like obviously that plays out later on as Mm -hmm. well but I think we don't for various reasons that I'm sure we'll get into but we don't think of Megan Fox as a great actress and Jesus Christ she's amazing and like she plays uh, Jennifer in this is actually quite a nuanced 
character in really subtle ways mm-hmm. and she nails absolutely every bit yeah. of it and i think a really surface reading that a lot of critics originally did was looking at all of the acting she does at jennifer acting like uh, the queen bee who right, says these really yeah. f- lines like the force it has in yeah. bbf <laughs> yeah i was um, thinking of that as well which is which is all like have you guys been fucking and like all this stuff which you realize there's so many layers of her performance as a per as like the person of jennifer mm-hmm. um and it also for me that's one of the first times that we see a really a real intercutting of the idea of like using megan fox the sex icon to be sexy in this film because yeah. when she starts to like her character starts to in inverted commas be sexy she just turns into this slightly nervous stuttering schoolgirl uh-huh. who sort of bounces on her heels and like can't really get her words and then gets interrupted by him he's like oh, yeah okay okay i'll go and get drinks and mm-hmm. it was it was like really interesting that that was the first time and we'll have a few more of them where her sexiness gets gets cut by something different that means that it isn't if i was a 14 year old teenage boy thinking this was just going to be like a crazy sex fantasy thing every time i would start to be like oh here it is they're like nope sorry mm-hmm. not quite yeah. hey i'm sorry can i ask you a question um why would you want to play all the way out here in Devil's Kettle? You live in the city, right? Yeah, uh, but you know, I think it's really important sometimes to try and connect with our fans in the shitty areas, too. That's amazing. <laughs> can, I, um, can I buy you a drink? Sure, what are we having? My fa- possibly my favorite one of the lines that, I'm, that you sort of can miss because it happens in the background of some character moments for the girls is the... I'm not just your bassist. I'm a person with feelings who happens to play the bass guitar and I'd like a little respect, Nikolai, which is my favourite line, which is just this bassist that has his own thing going on where he just wants a damn respect. And it's such a, like, weird, also yeah. joke about, like, bassists versus lead singers yeah, yeah, yeah. and drummers versus... Yeah. Loads of stuff about, band, about drummers as well. It's so funny. It's really, really good. Oh, God. And there's... And, and also, while they're listening... So while they're listening to this song... Uh, they're like holding hands, Jennifer and Needy. Yeah, and then but only for of, a moment. Only for a yeah. moment, although they sort of separate and it's just really interesting trying to work out. I still can't work out what that relationship is in its entirety, which I think is very indicative of like teen girl relationships, which can be all encompassing and can be very intense and you're sharing a bed and you're speaking until 5 a.m. and you're like, all of this kind of stuff that's that's not necessarily in any way because you fancy each other. But then when you add on the idea that actually... I feel like Needy does fancy her. Although I, I read that as like a, a gay man. I didn't have a, a teenage girl experience. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shock, shock, horror. Um, but I understood that moment. The holding of the hands, I think that is um, framed as uh, a moment for um, Needy but is a frivolous thing for Jennifer mm. because Jennifer lets go so quickly. Yeah. But we see this slow motion kind of zoom in on the hands um, and then like we get shown Needy's face. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Jennifer's just like, kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like focusing on the on the lead of the, of the band. I mean, if I'm being really ungenerous, I do think that giving Needy a boyfriend and having the really ambiguous, not knowing whether Jennifer's succubus powers are... Um, attract people mm-hmm. and whether that's artificial attraction or whether actually the person is already attracted to you and the succubus just like takes mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. that ambiguity meant that it was it didn't feel like i could categorically be like yes 
LGBT. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on. Yeah. Because I think giving the boyfriend and having someone be like really sweet and this boyfriend that you like and that you say you love and all this stuff automatically means that you're, I can see how it's like, you're not meant to read it that she likes Jennifer. Whereas if she'd have been single, it absolutely would have turned into this story of like the closeted lesbian who really likes her best friend, mm. who all this kind of stuff. And I thought that was a really just such a tiny detail mm-hmm. of including Chip that completely changed that you wouldn't have to change anything about the performance or the script or anything mm-hmm. it would just be the implications yeah but then we wouldn't have had the worst sex scene ever <gasps> oh that was the best <laughs> um Andy, oh thank god you're there what's wrong Jennifer's gone she ran off with that rock man and Melody Lane burned down you're okay right They took her in their spooky van with the windows all blacked out. Did you get the make and model? I don't know, Chip, an 89 rapist? She's still in there. We have to go find her. Who cares about Jennifer and those douchebags with their douchebag haircuts and their manscare? People just burn to death. The second act, the second part begins. The second act, which we are calling Jennifer is Hungry. Which is, to be honest, just factual. <laughs> She really is. No, literally, she's she's starving. Needy is at home. Uh, she calls Chip, and then we kind of have some classic horror scenes of um, uh, there's movements in the house. She goes to see it, and then she hangs up the phone, and it's like, do not hang up the phone. Um, and then uh, Jennifer appears behind her, covered in blood. Really, um, like amazing uh, makeup in this the special movie. effects in this. The practical effects were really great. Yeah, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah, them. Yeah. Really fantastic. Yeah. This is the second we thought it was going to be sexy, no longer sexy scene where they where it's sort of like if she wasn't covered in blood, this could be like a sexually charged moment. Um, but instead, she's very unsexy. She's all covered in blood. She's ripping a chicken apart and eating it with her hands off the floor. And then she's giving a belchy demon scream. And then she's choking. And then she's expelling a fountain of black bile, which is kind of alive. None of that <laughs> is that sexy, <laughs> to be honest. No, it's the complete desexualization of um, Megan Fox, mm-hmm. which I think was... Um, it's so difficult... I almost wonder what this film would have been like with somebody other than Megan Fox because mm-hmm. there's so much baggage surrounding her, especially at that time, yeah. as this um, like this sex, sex symbol. symbol that everybody was so, was um, uh, so like obsessed with, um, and it's it was brilliant. She must have loved the ability to kind of completely subvert that um, uh, image of her mm-hmm. by being covered in blood and vomiting. Um, what Needy ends up calling roadkill? She describes it as roadkill Road later kill on. With and I'm like, mate, needles, that, yeah, needles. <laughs> it like, doesn't. Oh, delightful. It doesn't look like that. Um, just tar. Yeah, exactly. Just some t- spiky tar. And then she's off. Jennifer does a lot of that in the movie. She'll turn up. Something mm-hmm. will happen. She'll sort of traumatize Needy, and then she'll just be like, <laughs> "Bye, <laughs> like I'm out of here." That's the sound of a true friend. Well, you know how last night we were talking and someone came to my house? Well, it was Jennifer. I mean, she looked like she had been beaten up or shot or something. And then she barfed up this, like, disgusting, prickly stuff that looked like roadkill and, like, sewing needles mixed together. Yuck. But she probably just inhaled a whole bunch of smoke or something. 
No, Chip, no, it was like, it was like evil. Yeah, I think you might want to talk to the school shrink. I'm not saying that to be a dill hole. Chip, I don't tell whoppers and I'm not crazy. So Jennifer then, we don't know really what's happened to uh, Jennifer after she leaves the mm -hmm. house. Um, uh, but she turns up the next day, maybe the next day or like a, the next couple of days, um, at school. Um, looking completely fine and chirpy as anything, despite the fact that they've just had a massive um, tragedy that is getting like national press attention and stuff. Um, uh, Needy talks to Chip and describes what she was saying, describing it as roadkill, like needly roadkill. Um, and he goes... She probably inhaled a lot of smoke. And I'm like, hey, you know what? If I were needy, I'd uh, repress that memory and say that that was... <laughs> say that That's that exactly is what, what happened. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense. Now more than ever, put aside your teenage concerns about who's a cool dude or who's a hoe. We can't let that damn fire win. It already won. My second favourite quote. This is going to be my favourite quote of this act. Excellent. It's the teacher. Put aside your teen concerns about who's a cool dude and who's a hoe. We can't let that damn fire win. <laughs> I just... The lines in this. So this... Just so good. The teacher is J.K. Simmons, um, who's obviously like an, a, a well-known uh, actor. Um, <laughs> duh. And for some reason, he has a hook for a hand... It's never explained, but it is definitely a focal point of the movie because we keep on getting slow cuts to it and like cuts from the hand to his face and then he says the line. Um, I want to know the story behind why this was a decision we that the teacher should have a hand. We need a sequel about the teacher. <laughs> Just about a the hand. Because uh, like, it, that was one of the things also that completely... I, I was like, I don't know what I'm meant to be feeling in this movie because you're getting like all of these conflicts and then this ridiculousness and I'm like am I meant to be laughing at the hand was this a J.K. Simmons character choice if so what is the story behind this character choice that he's made that this teacher has to have a hook for her hand it was so bizarre and out of place it was never mm. one of the things where I was like is this is this like GBF or is this yeah. something more and you're making me realise, Rowan, mm -hmm. that it was something more. Yeah, but I'm still... So. I want to know about the hand. <laughs> what about the hand? Still, it's still a ridiculous film. Hey, Jennifer. I'm crazy sorry about your profound loss. You are crying about Craig, right? He was my best friend. You know, I was there last night, and I was probably the last person to talk to him. Like ever. You know what he said? Craig said that he always thought you and me would make a totally banging couple. Isn't that so weird? He, he said banging? Oh, yeah. So this is also, she's as we explained, she's hungry. So she eats a lot of people during this section. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved the scene where she kills the first guy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jonas, uh, where she goes... Um, uh, She's basically like, the last thing that your best friend told me when he died in the fire was that we'd make a really cute couple. 
follow me. Feel my feel my heart, Jonas. He puts her hand. She puts her hand. His hand on on her tit. It's broken. Um, and then she proceeds to rip him limb for limb yeah. and um turn into like a needle mouthed uh, devil thing and uh, consume him. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't eat all of him. She just kind of like sips his blood. And she does leave some for the deer. Yeah, when did... So all of these animals kind of like appear around them as she's about to kill him. Um, And then later on, uh, the carcass of the guy is discovered with a deer licking him. When did deers become carnivores? Well, this is the th- this is what I find. Like, this is just another one of those little microcosmic images of how ridiculous this is in terms of like subverting expectations and not going where you think it's going to go and... Mm. and- no, nothing being simple mm-hmm. um, and dear being kind of never to the rest of the world we were famous we were saints our town's only bar had burned to the ground and our star linebacker was someone's snack pack the whole country got a huge tragedy boner for devil's kettle and the press god they couldn't get enough of our little world of shit this is also where we get another incredible comic scene that maybe I'm just super twisted for finding funny, which was a candlelit vigil where they all start singing. But they all start singing this song from the from the band that managed to get out, who saved people, by the way. And it's true because it's on their Wikipedia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and three percent of the profits went to charity <laughs> yeah. it's just all those times where they don't even give you like a moment to find it funny like you just have to be listening and then you're like no that's hysterical like this is like that's actually really funny so that's what i i feel like missing those i feel like those beats were missed and i want though as a viewer mm. i want there to be those beats yeah that exist in stuff like mean girls and mm-hmm. in stuff like gbf um and those kinds of movies because i feel like this is a written down is an amazing amazing film but there was something in this execution Mm. um in maybe not giving those lines enough time to breathe that kind of made me really confused what kind of a tone it was meant to be taking that's fair no offense but you look really tired is everything okay no i feel like boo-boo my skin is breaking out and my hair is dull and lifeless it's like I'm one of the normal girls. Are you PMSing or something? PMS isn't real, Needy. It was invented by the boy-run media to make us seem crazy. So she goes after... At this point, Jennifer is um, looking very lackluster again. Uh, and she, at this point... Which, um, again, amazing kind of like visual effects and makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, like they make um, uh, Megan Fox, who is objectively very, very beautiful, um, look... Uh, plain and run down and um, make her hair look dull and give her bags onto her eyes um, uh, and uh, like it's 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 fantastic um, makeup in this in this film and she basically realizes that she's got to eat she's got she got to eat another boy you know yeah you know we've all you been know, there we've all been there yeah um, no you haven't and so she goes after Colin um, who is beautiful beautiful little goth Colin oh he's wonderful I dressed like him I can see it mm-hmm. Like dyed black hair, spiky. Um, one of those thin, stripy scarves. Loads of rings. Class. Yes. Uh, yes. Nails, yes. eyeliner. Paint me a picture. Yeah. This is like my immortal. Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Well, we've been having a lot of fun in class, you and I, and I thought that maybe you'd like to go see a movie or something. 
There's a uh, midnight showing of Rocky Horror at the Bijou next weekend. I don't like boxing movies. Yeah, but it's not, it's not a fucking boxing movie. Um, fuck it. Okay, forget it. And this is Intercut, so her doing yet again another... The, the sexiness is sort of heightened by the fact that there's another sex scene going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. But they parallel, and then they absolutely just break again any sexiness you thought as a 14-year-old boy you were going to get out of this completely when she starts breaking his bones. And then oh the other sex God. scene gets interrupted by Amanda Seacreed being psychically linked to Jennifer. So she lures... Jennifer lures um, the emo guy um, to a... What ends up being kind of like the only uh, like street that doesn't have any lights on in the whole in the whole town. Um, so it's nice to know that a succubus's powers also uh, extends to power cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up being uh, kind of le- led into this um, uh, abandoned like uh, a house that is still being built um, uh, on the pretense of like um, getting fucked. Slippery swirl. Yeah, it's uh, supposed to make it feel good for the girl. <laughs> cool. Can I tell you why Amanda Siegfried's um, sex scene with Chip was so particularly horrifying? Yes, please for me. Do. Beyond being psychically linked to Jennifer and seeing her kill somebody. Yeah. Um, it's it was far too. I have. I am a gay man. I have no. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Dear absolute God. shocker. I've, I've been keeping it a secret this whole time. Um, I have had sex with women at a young age that was far too accurately depicted in this movie. Of um, uh, lots of f- heavy, heavy kind of like kissing where nobody really knows how much tongue to give. Um, uh, of. Uh, Underneath the covers, because we can't look at each other. Oh, God. Um, over the shoulder. Um, uh, and then she's having a horror flashback or a horror psychic link with her BFF. And I don't notice because I'm too busy closing my eyes and trying um, not to come too quickly. And then when you do notice, you think she's turned on and you smile to yourself, which is my favourite <laughs> exactly. bit of dancing. And then she starts screaming, pushes you away. And then you go, what happened? Was I too big? All of this, <laughs> classic, all classic of this chip. was too real. It was too real and too close to what a fourteen-year-old boy thinks sex is meant to be, and it put it threw up a mirror, really quite horrifically. For this was the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> oh my god! Not hurting you? Am I too big? Yeah, so, we, so I guess, like, another one bites the dust. Colin's dead. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. So we finally get to the moment that's justified putting this on this podcast. Dat Kisto. <laughs> you mean the hand-holding wasn't enough? It wasn't enough. Um, How did it... Can you... Okay. You tell me, because it's stuff like this that made me realise that I was gay. I mean, for me anyway, that's not how people kiss. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. I mean, also, I guess context. I'm saying this is like an asexual spectrum lesbian, but I, I <laughs> no, sure, sure. But I, but yeah, no. It was there was so much tongue that didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So they did the kiss, and they did the kiss. Um, mm-hmm. The kiss happens, and you are kind of maybe unsure who's initiating, who's keeping it going, what's happening, mm-hmm. and then they sort of separate. And then Needy is the one who goes and, and goes in for another kiss with Jennifer, which I think is a really important like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. distinction to be made. You know, she's not saying no. And then she's like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And 
that's really interesting because it's really ambiguous as to whether she's almost like out coming out of the succubus trance and she's like, wait, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Or whether she's like, because it's a gay thing, is sort of like, wait, no, we can't. Because that scene, if you'd have if you'd have just taken that scene in isolation and you'd have told me, oh, that comes from a teen movie about a girl who's confused about her sexuality, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a classic scene where she kisses the mm-hmm, girl mm-hmm, who is mm-hmm. more sexually adventurous or has already tried this or doesn't really have emotional attachment and they kiss and then she's like, what, what? But because of this, this secondary layer of her being a succubus, it's actually suddenly like, oh, is this is this some kind of magic attraction thing that she's making? She's luring in her prey. And to me, that, that ambiguity was frustrating because I think we can't really put this... For me personally, I'm like, I don't think we can put this firmly in like a... This is an LGBT... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's it isn't. Not... It has, it has a, 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 a kiss that is the reason why it's it was touted as uh, Twilight for boys. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is added by this happening to kind of like this story i don't understand Mm -hmm. what is kind of like what we know more about these characters we already know that there's this relationship and i don't know what the kiss does Mm -hmm. and i feel like there could have been perhaps something there where um uh, perhaps then jennifer becomes more protective of uh of needy uh, in the face of like of Chip, if Chip were like, for example, like a bad boyfriend, and then Jennifer comes in as kind of like a savior for her, maybe this would make sense. But I didn't. It came. It didn't come out of the blue because it's been teased, obviously. But I don't know what it added to any of the story. So interestingly, there's a qu- quote that I can give from uh, from Cody, the writer. If the two protagonists of the film were a guy and a girl, and in a particularly tense moment they shared a kiss, no one would say it was gratuitous. But the fact that they're women means it's kind—it's of, a kind of stunt. It wasn't intended to be something profound and meaningful to me and Karen, the director. But because it is, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate mm. here a little bit, but because it is a same-sex kiss, uh, there is a... Baggage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you cannot put in a same-sex kiss and not know that that is automatically going to become yeah. a... And then get annoyed movie. with people when they yeah, point out. Exactly. They're like, what was that about? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that either they could have lent one way or the other. So they could have lent towards really done, like I suggested, get rid of Chip and and have it be an exploration of Amanda Seyfried and her sexuality mm-hmm. and what that means. Or do, you know, do something else with it that made it, like... Mm part of a wider storyline or not had it mm-hmm. um and i and that either was... make it gayer or make it less gay that's don't that's hover ro- in the middle that's, you know what that's my manifesto <laughs> um and and that kiss that almost they don't quite show the kiss they show an almost kiss mm-hmm. in the trailer that was i remember being a big part of the marketing uh... and one of the reasons it took me a few years to watch it because the marketing was just so just not anything i thought i was going to be interested in and nothing like the actual film also i kind of it didn't. The kissing didn't make sense to me because uh, Needy had just seen her kill somebody and had a massive breakdown over it. Come home, genuinely like sat on the sofa and hugged herself and rocked herself, crying. And then the person who has caused that trauma is then coming in and kissing you. I didn't. Un- there was mm-hmm. like I didn't understand the jump for me to be there. Yeah, and so it was a bit. Odd. I feel the opposite way I do about Moonlight. Yeah. Moonlight, add kiss, Jennifer's body, take away kiss. That's maths. What the fuck is happening? Oh my god, needy. Um, so then 
the last section of this act is Jennifer telling Needy what happened the night in the van um, after she got taken away after the fire. Um, and this is where it gets suddenly a lot more real. So real. It was like, you know, um, that reaction to uh, seeing her face when the van door slams. Mm-hmm. It's like that um, expedited over like 15 minutes mm-hmm. of, it of is story. genuinely really difficult to watch. It's also, there's just so many little bits in this script that I was so impressed by. So, for example, when she's in the van and she sort of realises what might be about to happen and she still doesn't feel like she can say no at that point. And so what she says instead is when they ask if she's a virgin, she says, yeah, I'm a big virgin, big mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have no you, idea should, what I'm you doing. should probably find someone else. And it's like all those ways that you say no without actually saying no, mm. um, because she's like, I'm trapped in a van with these guys. And it's clearly she kind of knows already that it's not going to work. She's she's doing it just in, like to try and do something. But she mm. at this point, like she even asks them, like, are you guys rapists? Like she she knows what's going to happen, mm-hmm. or what she thinks is going to happen. Um, and this is where the Me Too reading becomes, like, d- too real. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, like, th- this is something that I have thought, but it's by no means a sort of um, uh, new thought. A lot of people have made this parallel. So it turns out that they are doing a, a sacrifice. Yeah, they're doing Virgin a, a sacrifice devil, to the... They mean sacrifice, yeah. To, they are to, agents to the of devil. Satan with awesome haircuts. But the reason why they're doing it is to advance their career. Mm-hmm. And so what you have is a group of men who are happy to uh, like torture a girl, make her terrified and do not care in order to advance their career. And it's like you couldn't... If it, Part of me is like, if you'd have done this post Me Too, people would have been like, well, that's a bit obvious. Like, <laughs> that's a bit on the nose. And and especially as for the rest of the film, we have to listen to them be successful the and, that, and that they yeah. are profiting off this mm-hmm. and making songs about the trauma that, like, they've put women through. It's such a interesting and, like, timely, even mm-hmm. though it was... It was it was timely at the time because that stuff was still happening in Hollywood. Yeah, but nobody, but nobody was, was talking about it in the way that they talk about it now. Um, I was just like so like impressed by the whole scene, even as it was like horrendous to watch because it is her like screaming and pleading mm-hmm. and like j- just showing off Megan Fox's acting ability to an uh, insane degree. But I so this is kind of like another place where a part of the film where I was like oh holy fuck this is far too real mm-hmm. I but I'm 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 still being fed those same lines yeah. that are fantastically written like it's like um uh, do you want to be playing like back shit places like this or do you want to be rich like that guy from Maroon 5 mm-hmm. and then they like two seconds later they're stabbing a girl who's pleading for her life mm-hmm. and I was like I'm I didn't know whether I was meant to be feeling as uncomfortable as I did. I didn't know whether I was... Because all I was feeling was like this. Oh, this is fu- this is so, so real. Mm-hmm. And it felt out of place in something that f- didn't really know whether it was trying to be a comedy at that moment. And I think that you can have a comedy horror with some really real moments. But the fact that the comedy was continuing through this scene, it felt so out of place... And taking away from the power of it. So for me, I think the opposite. Because I think that you... I think it would have been really easy to play these guys off as like... 
these, you know, they after they get out of the van, they start chanting and, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Yeah, they start wearing, they put on and hoods and, and they stuff. They put on hoods and masks or, you know, she says something and they just go, shh, like, shut up. And they slap her. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that's all the words. And it's very serious and very, and I don't think that's necessarily how these things happen. It isn't this how these things happen in real life in terms of if we're, because we're very clearly treating this as like a stand-in for sexual assault or rape. Mm-hmm. I think that you can have this absolute, like, buddy buddy laughter trading jokes all this stuff happening while immediately after you just have like violence and completely callous actions yeah yeah and like not understanding and so for me i was sort of like that adds like that can adding of like discomfort and confusion because when they start singing it's the, the 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 first stab that happens is like you are not expecting it, even as you are entirely expecting it. Because you know where this scene is going. You know something happened to her. You know that either she's going to like, the spirit of the demon's gonna come to her and she's gonna kill all of them, or she, but you know that's not gonna happen because you know the band survives. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, we know that they must do something to her. And so you're waiting for it, and, and that then you no break, justice. and then you slightly break this because they start singing because he remembers a song, and he's like, "You guys, the song!" And then they all start singing, and then bang, yeah. he stabs her. So you, because I think for me that worked well because you, it it was a break in tension that made it more tense because you've been you've been waiting for this scene the entire movie since they left in the back. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to find out at some point. So this, I mean, this last section is basically the prominence aftermath. So it's the grand finale. Prom happens. Needy realizes that Jennifer's a succubus and then decides, okay, this is where it's going to be a buffet. Oh, you can eat buffet, as she explains it. Yeah. Um, and is kind of worried about what she's going to do next. I think there's going to be an even bigger massacre. And then we have the show showdown between the two girls. Demonic transference. It's something that happens when you try to sacrifice a virgin to Satan without using an actual virgin. The guys in the band tried to sacrifice her in the woods. But what they didn't know is that she hasn't been a virgin since junior high. Don't you get it? The dance. It'll be like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Needy, I think you need help. That Jennifer doesn't choose to go to a prom and do a massacre. She ends up choosing to chase after Chip. <sighs> okay. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Jennifer leads Chip to an abandoned swimming pool. Which is still full of water, which I find... I, you know what? I'm just going to go with it because the set dressing was brilliant, but yeah. I did not understand Creepy. Really what great that was scene. about. Really great scene. She can fly. She's just hovering. It's not that impressive, but do you have to undermine everything that I do? You are such a player hater. You're a jerk. Wow, nice insult, Hannah Montana. You got any more harsh digs? And then this scene, which genuinely, these this dialogue, banger after banger, just <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Because we've almost kind of had the emotional climax when we in in Act Two when we find out what happened to Jennifer. Yeah, like everything right. after that. Everything after this is pretty fucking ridiculous. Why, Chip? Is it just to tick me off, or is it because you're just really insecure? <sighs> I am not insecure, needy. God, that's a joke. How could I ever be insecure? I was the snowflake queen. Yeah, 
two years ago when you were socially relevant. I am still socially relevant. And when you didn't need laxatives to stay skinny. And we get another, we get one of those like classic oh, bisexual lines, which make no oh sense. Oh my God. Yeah. With I go the, both ways now. Thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to eat your soul and shit. Uh, you only murder boys. I go both ways. Just. Which I hated. Just. Just. But also, no. <laughs> but also, fourteen-year-old Jazza, and at my core, that's who I am. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. But it's one of those ones where I wish that that line would have been a killer line if it was backed up by anything in the. Again, if they'd have just made this more LGBT, that would have been an absolutely yeah. killer line. Make it gayer or not gay at all. That's, that's what is, we are taking away from that this. That is our mantra. That's the new title. Forget the old <laughs> one. Forget the ones we said at the beginning. That's the new title of this. So after this, Chip dies. And instead of Needy just sort of this being the end or, you know, Jennifer was killed in that moment, mm-hmm. um, Needy realises, like... She's got to do this. Yeah. You know, she has got to go after Jennifer. She needs to get revenge for her fallen love like every single male hero has ever done in the history of time. Blah, when blah, their blah. girlfriend yeah, yeah, gets yeah. killed and goes to murder Jennifer with a box cutter. As um, you do. Which I loved because Jennifer wakes up um, uh, when Amanda turns up with the box cutter and goes, do you buy your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're butch. <laughs> So many gay lines in a film that refuses to actually properly get gay Deep, beyond yeah, yeah, like yeah. quip. You know what this is for? Uh, it's for cutting boxes. Do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you butch. We have this like really massive struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, she levitates. Jennifer does the levitating, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Falls down fun. another brilliant bit of slow motion, and then Needy comes down, plunging that box cutter into her heart. And this is a very silly death scene because she goes, ah, oh, my tit. Oh no, it's your heart. And and because like there's been a cross put on her, this kills the demon. But then complete 180, lights basically turn on and Jennifer's mum walks in and is having a breakdown because she's just she's walked in on her daughter being murdered with a box cutter by her best friend. Yeah. With none of the context of a succubus no. or demons or anything or any of that kind of bullshit. No. It's it's like absolutely the most horrendous image to imagine walking in on. And I again was like, is this funny? I did. You're like yeah, exactly. Like who knows? <laughs> I I was so confused. I just want to know what I'm meant to be feeling. Just feel what you're gonna feel, Jazza. <laughs> I don't know who Needy Lesnicki is anymore. I'm a different person now. A person who uses curse words and kicks orderlies and sees things that aren't there. A very bad, very damaged person. But sometimes change can be good. For instance, most occult scholars don't know this, but if you're bitten by a demon and you live, you just might absorb some of the demon's abilities. Just might get lucky for once in your miserable life. Really, I, I, I like this movie. I think it's not it's not on my like list of favourite movies of all time, but I think there's something to really appreciate it. It's got some really funny lines. It's real campy horror, which I enjoy. It's 
just uh, had fun watching it, basically. And then some bits of it I didn't have fun. I was like, oh no, this is too real. And then I got back to fun again, and I was like, okay, cool. I wanted this to commit to be one thing in a similar way to it committing to being a queer movie or not. I wanted it to commit to being a campy horror or commit to being like a legit horror with kind of like these genuinely some of the most horrific and like uh, kind of like far too real scenes that are I think are kind of like the type of horror that we don't see enough in horror in the horror genre at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted it to be one thing rather than an amalgamation of every single type of movie. But I don't think that um, it could have with the type of cast that it had. Mm. I think it ended up being far too kind of like metery and wasn't going to be able to commit to being kind of like a really great just horror movie with a cast like Amanda Siegfried and uh, Megan Fox. I think it's interesting because have we disagreed on a movie so far? I don't think so. Are the favourite maybe... Kind of. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I, do, but, I still want Rachel Vice to be my wife. But I do think that it's interesting because the exact thing that we like, that makes me like it, makes you not like it. Yeah. This is the first time that's happened where actually our tastes in mm-hmm. film, I think, generally align quite well. But I think this is the first time that actually the thing you don't like is the thing I quite like about it. Okay, so versa. guys, this is the last episode. Uh, this is it. We've split... <laughs> The band's breaking up. It's our last show. Um, uh, you know how we um, uh, just how we sort this out. Mm. Uh, we do a poll. Rest- what? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do a poll on Patreon. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, in which case, I want to know. I I think the patrons have good taste and agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Well, shall uh, we try and um, perk this up by giving it some ratings? Yes, let's. Amazing. Good. So, the first rating that we come to is the queer rating. Right. Uh, and the way in which we rate this is by um, bars on the rainbow flag. Um, and we can also, if we want to, specify the colour. Oh, I'm going to specify some oh, colours okay. today. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, for me, my queer rating, it gets just a single bar of the LGBT pride flag. Which one? It gives. It uh, is going to be given red, which is life and sexuality. But also the colour of blood, which Megan Fox covers herself in to remove any of that sexuality that the Michael Bay crew have been trying to bestow upon her. Um, yeah, I, be, I think basically I completely agree with oh, that. Oh, great, cool. Um, but, but really interestingly, I feel like with just a few really small changes, uh-huh. actually, this could have been a much queerer film, as previously discussed. Um if we if we'd have gotten rid of Chip essentially, and we'd had, we it it had been more about the relationship between the two yeah, but girls. But then I would have only had Chris Pratt to ogle, and he's only in it for. 30 and he's seconds. only in it for about thirty seconds. You know what? In which case, scrap it. Take it all back. <laughs> Give Jasper what he needs. Thank you. Our second rating is the cis het rating. I really want to call it cishet. Yeah, go on there. We can do okay, that. okay. So um, uh, the cishet rating, which is the likelihood. Uh, expressed in a percentage of how much a cishet person would watch of this movie. What percentage are you giving it, Rowan? So I kind of don't know. I Because it's not that I think it's uncomfortable because of um, it being too gay, which mm. is normally why we don't think cishet people would make it through. Um, but I do think the r- too real sexual assault stuff and the fact that it's um, all of the supposedly sexy stuff gets undercut means that the cishet teen boy who may have been sold this would probably give up on it. Okay. 
What's your What's your percentage? <sighs> Oh man, it's almost like I've got to see cishet people as like complex and like some of them will, will like, I guess, watch a different no, percentage treat them than the other the ones. No, treat them as the homogenous block that they deserve to be treated as. Um. Okay, I'm going to say by the end of part two of okay. our, our three parts, so okay. that's like, let's say 60% the way through. Okay, I'm going to cool. say. For me, I do not think that a... So in my head, uh, it's always like a cishet dude that's watching these films Mm -hmm. and i don't think that a cishet dude is going to be horrified by especially in 2009 is going to be horrified by that van scene for them i think they are going to be distracted enough by the incredibly witty lines that go throughout and they're going to see it as a rompy comedy i think that a cishet person is likely to watch 100 of this film I could also, yeah, I could also see that argument as well. Oh, are you? Are we making up and like actually oh, agreeing maybe. on a thing? <laughs> I was. Ma- I think for me, it was less the. It was less the van scene for the sixty percent. I think it was more the idea that like they didn't get sexy Megan. They were like they've been promised sexy Megan. Yeah. By that point, you're like, come on, give me sexy. Whereas Megan. it was just like a, a close up kiss. Yeah. And there was like, but, is oh, that do it? you know what? Actually, if they'd seen the trailer and they'd see the almost kiss, they're making it all the way through because they're gonna try and. <laughs> They're like waiting for more of that. I think actually, yeah, 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 yeah 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for not great reasons. Well, it's actually they get the horrific murder of Jennifer. Um, How would you make this film gayer, Rowan? I mean, I touched on this with the queer rating, but basically would make it a, um, a story that is much more about um, and Amanda Siegfried and her relationship with her. Mm-hmm. You'd get rid of Chip. You'd get rid I'd of get Chip. I'd get rid of Chip. And that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. And also Jennifer would be bisexual and it wouldn't be a throwaway line like that would actually be a thing and then amanda seafree would be a lesbian who was just kind of like working out her sexuality so maybe chip would be there but only as like the boyfriend that she sort of thought she had to have and then you know can we have can we have a mid-ground here yeah i i want chip to still be in it okay um because i think he's a cutie Mm -hmm. uh but he can be the gay friend of ah, the closeted, you know what? Amanda I like this. I like this. There we go. This is good. There we go. And that's yeah. even gayer. Even gayer. Oh my gosh, Hollywood, we're available. And that's why he's immune to Jennifer. We've done it. We've done it. Guys, guys, why are we not guys, being commissioned guys. for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Queer Movie Podcast. This was episode five. Um, go back and listen to the rest of our episodes if you like. I think they're very good. Um, and people have been really nice leaving reviews for us. Um, leave us reviews on whatever podcasting app you use. It genuinely, really, really helps us um, as a new podcast. I'm going to say a massive thank you to everyone who's done it so far because as of the last time I checked, we were still on the new and noteworthy for Yeah, film, um, which is honestly, wild to it's, us. It's phenomenal. The, the response that we've had so far has been really, really kind. I think we're going to do... Um, You're great. We love you. <laughs> we love you so much. You're so kind. Um, uh, and we'll be reading out some uh, uh, some comments that you guys have um, in uh, maybe a mini episode, maybe a later episode. Um, we also, uh, if you want to have a kind of say, as we mentioned at the beginning, in um, what movies we talk about, what genres we do, then you can follow us on Twitter to vote or you can support us on Patreon. Um, and speaking of Patreon, Ooh. a huge thank you to those who are supporting us by donating $5 or more per month. I want to say a massive thank you to Rebecca. Max. Louise. Malibu Darby. John. Jace. Enrique. C. Johnson. 
And Enid. Thank you so much, guys. Genuinely, you guys are helping us um, to not have to pay to just host this website um, our, uh, ourselves. Um, it really, really, really helps. We love you. Um, we also are, we have some sort of got stretch goals, I guess, on Patreon. And one of them is to have a transcript of all the episodes. And we are so close to hitting that. Um, so every donation is going to help us. So um, we can kind of make this podcast as accessible as possible. Yes, please. Um, so we had our patrons uh, decide what our next genre was going to be. And they decided sci-fi for us. Which, to be honest, when I heard that was a bit apprehensive because I was kind of like, do, we are there any, any queer we sci-fi, name any we sci-fi films? Um, but we've done some intensive research and we have mm-hmm. managed to find four, sh- a short list of four for you to vote between. Okay, so you'll they be are. able to find these on Twitter at Queer Movie Pod. Our short list is, firstly, Deadly Skies. Secondly, Codependent <laughs> Lesbian Space Alien Seeks Same. I'm not going to say which one I want, but it might be that one. Um, uh, uh, thirdly, Kaboom. And fourth, Zerophilia. Um, so what we're going to do is put those up uh, as a as a poll on Twitter. And then also in as a reply to the poll, put all of the trailers. Please watch, watch the, trailers. the trailers. I feel like you're not watching the trailers. I'll, I'll put it up and we'll already have 100 votes. And I'm like, you guys, you didn't have time to watch one trailer. I see you people. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, yeah. I know that you vote with which title you know or think is funny. We we see you. Mm-hmm. Um, so have a watch of the trailers because they're all actually really, really interesting. And some of them really hilarious. So please do subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcast catcher of choice is. Um, and give us a ton of ratings. Super important. Um, thank you very much. We have been the Queer Movie Podcast. Bye! Bye! Love you lots. Um, I'm just really quickly going to say, is it Enrica? Mm-hmm. The name? I'm going to yes. say that and you can put it in. Enrica! <laughs> they deserve a proper name. <laughs>